You're listening to the Oz Movies Podcast, only on the Oz Network. Welcome back to the Oz Network. You are tuned in to the movies arm of your newest, favouritest podcast in the world for a very special episode for you today. We've got an interview coming your way, and one that necessarily wasn't done for the Oz Network. It was done for one of our sister shows, our feeder shows, whatever you want to say, Double Oz 7, a James Bond podcast. It's what we, we love doing. We love talking about movies and TV, and so much we love talking about James Bond that we've had a completely separate show on that. Colin and Noah do it with me. We love it. And recently, we celebrated our 50th episode of Double Oz 7, and on that 50th episode, we were very, very lucky to be joined by Hollywood legend Robert Darby. Now, Robert played Sanchez in the 1989 Bond film Licence to Kill, which, of course, was... Uh, he was the main antagonist. He was the main villain. But outside of James Bond, I mean, he's been on over 100 TV shows, 100 films. He's just an icon. You know, he's good friends with Arnold Schwarzenegger. You'll hear that in this. Uh, you know, he's worked with great Steven Spielberg, friends with Frank Sinatra. You know, he started along Bruce Willis. He was in Die Hard. He was lots of movies. And this is a wide-ranging chat. We, we had half an hour with him, and we were thinking, we're only going to talk about Bond but there was lots more that we ended up covering and uh, sadly didn't all cover Bond and so much so so much fun did we have with Robert he's actually agreed to come back on 007 at some point to chat more about Bond and more about his film career so this is kind of almost just like a teaser for more to come and we had to share this with you of course we want you to download 007 go to 007.wordpress.com subscribe on iTunes like on Facebook become a fan of it if you like James Bond movies you're gonna love that podcast but again we need to bring it to you on this show just because he just talks so much more about James Bond and he is Robert Darby, Hollywood icon. So just a special treat for you here on the Oz Network today. The chat that we had with him for 007, Colin and myself, let's play this right now because I know you are going to love listening to it. Massive pleasure right now to be able to introduce our next guest to you. He's a star, a Hollywood legend who has been in more than 100 films and TV series. He's also been in video games. He's a singer. He's got an album. He's touring the world right now. There's there's a whole lot we could talk about right now about his amazing career. But, of course, you're listening to 007, and you know him mainly from that series, of course, as playing the great Fran Sanchez in Licence to Kill. And we are hugely excited on our 50th episode to welcome to the program Mr. Robert Darby. Robert, welcome to 007. Thank you for your time today. Uh, well, thank you, my, my dear friends. Thank you for having me. And uh, I appreciate you guys, uh, of course, doing a show that's based on the most successful series of films in the history of cinema. Exactly. And we, we are course, here to we, celebrate. We know what that is. Yes, James Bond 007. Uh, that's our show. 007 is actually the. Uh, <laughs> I'm just. I'm just apparently claiming that uh, Bond loves our show that much. But uh, I mean, that's we a... are pretty much on the same level of fame. Let's <laughs> yeah, exactly. Be We're often confused for for James Bond. But uh, Rob, as I mentioned, uh, of course, Alice know you very well for playing the role of Fran Sanchez in License to Kill. It's been 28 years now since. The film uh, was released. Incredible to think it's been that long. I mean, going into the film when you first were cast into it, were you a fan of the James Bond series before you were actually cast as Sanchez in the film? What fan of cinema is not a fan of the James Bond franchise? <laughs> I think every kid has looked in the mirror. I don't. Every actor, every actress, every director, every writer that I've talked to. Every, I mean, even, you know, I, they don't have to be actors in the entertainment industry. Everyone's looked in that mirror at some point in their lives and said, Bond, James Bond. 
chicken, not stirred. <laughs> uh, or they wanted to play the supervillain in some way. They wanted to play, I mean, I can't tell you how many people told me. So, yes, the first time I heard of James Bond was from my, uh, I was on a baseball team, uh, probably in about eight, I was maybe about nine years old. And, and uh, the coach was Ed Kirkman. And don't forget, JFK talked about the James Bond films and the book, Ian Fleming. He had brought that up big time. And uh, on His Majesty's Secret Service, I think that's the book he was talking about at the time. And um, anyway, so that was the first entree into the books. I started to read the books, and then, of course, every new Bond film you would run to the theater to see that opening title sequence and watch uh, to see how James Bond saved the world. How did your involvement start with the license to kill? Like, uh, were you brought in to audition for this or did they have you in mind? And what was the development of the Sanchez character like when you were brought in? Well, first off, you had, again, when I was born in Astoria, Queens on Long Island and then grew up in Dix Hills. My mother was born in Southampton oddly enough, from an Italian immigrant family. Now, also part of watching the Bond films when I was younger, it always said, Albert R. Broccoli presents. And you had that. At one time it had Broccoli and Saltzman, but then it had Albert R. Mm -hmm. Broccoli presents. And you always, and I would always say, who is this Italian fellow? Who's this Romulus Broccoli? <laughs> and then Cubby was born in Astoria, Queens, by the way, where I was born. And he grew up in Sag Harbor. So... The cut to Los Angeles, mid-80s, late-80s, uh, Goonies. I do Goonies. A big fan of the Goonies film was Tina, uh, Tina Broccoli, Cubby's daughter. Wow. She was a big fan of Bond. And Tina said she got to know me through a, a, a place where uh, we all used to hang out by Cafe Roma, Mickey Rourke, Schwarzenegger. I brought all these guys to this restaurant. Still people are going to it to today in Beverly Hills. But, uh, so I'd go there, and, and Tina said to me, oh, my dad would love you. Uh, and then she found out I was born in Astoria, Queens, and all this other stuff, an Italian. And then she arranged a dinner for me to meet her father and mother, stepmom, Dana, so Albert and, and Dana. And uh, I hit it off with Cubby beautifully. And uh, a couple of years later, I had done a film called Terrorist on Trial that was way ahead of its time, the United States of America versus Salim Ajami. I played a Palestinian kidnapped by the United States government to stand trial for acts of terrorism. And uh, I played the, the title character, and Sam Waterston played the prosecutor, pre-law and order, and uh, Ron Lieben played a Jewish defense attorney put there to defend this Palestinian terrorist that, uh, that, was, running for, that was in trial. And uh, courtroom drama, written by Levinson Link, two of the greatest names in television up till then. The you know, major writers, last script they wrote together. Produced by a guy named George Englund, who was subsequently Brando's, one of Brando's best friends, and also ran Brando's company, Penny Baker, back in the day, and directed and produced The Ugly American with Brando. Wow. And this was George's brainchild. George was always ahead of the, the, the topics. He also did a thing called Shoes of the Fisherman, but very top shelf ideas. Anyway, that film had come out on, uh, on TBS one evening, Sunday night, I think it was, three-hour special. I was on the cover of the L.A. Times, New York Times, 
and it raved about my performance. And Richard Maybaum was watching the show, and he called up Cubby Broccoli. And Richard Maybaum said to Cubby Broccoli, put on Channel 2 right away. And Cubby says, I've got it on. He goes, that guy, that's the next Bond villain. And Cubby says, I agree. And they called me in the next day, and I met with Michael Wilson and Cubby Broccoli. And then subsequently they set up a meeting for me to meet with um, uh, 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 Timothy Dalton. And then the, uh, and Michael Wilson and, uh, uh, and the rest, and uh, bingo. Wow. I was uh, offered the part. And they said that, Cubby said to me, you're going to hear a lot of noise on the street because every agent in the world is going to go after the thing, and we'd like to create a little bit of suspense around all of it, but you're the guy. And they, you know, gave, uh, we, we talked about the character, developed certain things for it, and it became a terrific character. And uh, the, uh, Michael Wilson, because uh, there was a writer's strike, had to take over the writing for it, and it became a great uh, piece. And, and how does that feel as such a fan, then, of the Bond series to get that that offer i mean that must be i mean you know too incredible to obviously pass up and and to play the villain as well the the, the main antagonist i mean that, that there must be a lot going through your mind at that point robert going this is this is incredible yes i mean there, there were prior to that i mean i had gotten notoriety for my acting people liked it my mentor was stella adler i was in the actor's studio so i had gotten i'd gotten some a lot of uh, a good uh encouragement so to speak and also even the director robert aldrich earlier in the 80s when i did hill street blues and i did a play in los angeles i would i i, I robert aldrich called to meet with me and he offered me a three-picture deal one of the pictures and it's a long story i won't go into it today was man on fire that was initially me and then the other book i gave him was pt's honor we were going to do a three-picture deal that they signed me to and then robert aldrich passed away so i had had a shot almost at really becoming an entity and now the bond film was a uh, reawakening of because uh, uh, of, of, of having the because there's no film bigger than than bond internationally at that time there was nothing it dwarfed everyone else i mean that year licensed uh, lethal weapon came out and batman and a bunch of other stuff but yet overseas of which i went to i i went to australia perth adelaide brisbane sydney uh, melbourne I, I, all over Australia f- to promote the film. Good to hear. Um, and all over the world, mm-hmm. you know, from Asia to uh, to Europe. Did you go to Winnipeg and, uh, in Canada at all, Robert? Did you did you head north <laughs> up into Winnipeg? Did not. No, we we missed Winnipeg. Ah, uh, damn. But I've been to, to Toronto, of course. There you go, many Colin. times, and to Woodbridge. <laughs> oh, uh, and uh, um, as a matter of fact, I have a a star on the Italian Walk of Fame. Wow. In uh, in. in on, it used to be in college. Now they're moving it to Woodbridge, I think, where where there's a huge Italian contingent. Wow, contingency uh, with along with Phil Esposito and and uh, some other wonderful people, great people. But the um, and I've been at Fallsview Casino. I did a huge concert there at Fallsview three nights uh, in Niagara Falls. But anyway, the, the uh, getting back to that, uh, yeah, I mean, doing a Bond film is uh, uh, that was just uh, yeah, and it's still. Because there are films that, that go around today, but every two years or every time a new Bond film comes out, everyone looks at all the past Bond films. Mm-hmm. And there's some kind of retrospect done on those villains or that, you know, again, Timothy Dalton, the Bond film we did, the second film, License to Kill, which was a, we went back to Casino Real to, uh, 
where Bond and the villain were mirror images of each other. And that was a very, you know, interesting thing. That was, so I played, even though Sanchez was a Colombian drug lord, so to speak, I played him as if he was, if James Bond was a Colombian drug lord. Wow, wow. I mean, wow. <laughs> I mean uh, at least with that, with that adjustment a little bit, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Now, of course, the actions that he does don't let you uh, do that. And Timothy, you know, had the edge of, of how the villain would be in terms of revenge. And I think one of the lines that we discussed and I put in there with Michael Wilson was loyalty is more important to me than money. Hmm. And uh, that was something that, you know, because it became this guy's Achilles heel. It was his Achilles heel was his need for loyalty. And then uh, at least Sanchez is. But anyway, the um, as you and, and as you see, License to Kill now looked at by people in retrospect is a much more interesting film, perhaps than they thought at the time. I just want to go back for a second, uh, really quickly, on something you said when you said you were working with Robert Aldrich on something. You mentioned Man on Fire. That's not the same one that came out with decades later with Denzel, is it? Yep, I had it. First. Wow, that's a long <laughs> story. And, and and the first one that really had it was Scott Glenn. That Rob Bobble. Here's what happened. Here's the story of that. My agent was Phil Gersh. He used to represent Humphrey Bogart. Gersh Agency in Los Angeles. Very respected. Very powerful. Very good family agency. Now it's bigger than it was then. But Bobby Gersh and David Gersh were the sons. Phil Gersh. Uh, I asked them to try to get me the rights to a book that was written under a pseudonym. The guy's name was A.J. Quinnell out of London, England. And uh, they tried to get the rights for me, but they couldn't get the rights. They said somebody had them. And uh, what happened was uh, then two years later, or a year and a half later, Phil says, uh, Bob Aldrich wants to meet you. And I go, really? Now, I love Bob Aldrich because he liked doing films with men doing manly things. You know what I mean? He did the, uh, I, I think film today is suffering to be honest with you. Hollywood is suffering. That's why they go to Australia, Canada, London to get, to get guys to play guys because <laughs> the, 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 the males in, in, in America have been effeminized and they all, uh, they're all terrific, but they all look the same. There's really no, there's, it's the, there's something that, that transpired over the years that have taken away those, great faces that they still so they go to london and they go to australia or canada to get leading men a lot of the time i often get asked robert um, i just i just too busy to to currently do anything so yeah i know what you mean <laughs> but you know what i'm saying yeah i mean or maybe you do maybe you don't but i mean anyway so now what happens is i meet with bob aldrich and i'm telling him about he goes what kind of material do you like and i tell him he goes you've got incredible effing taste young man and he tells his son bill get the script and there it was. He had the rights to Man on Fire. And he had a great script. And he gave me the script. He goes, this is why you're here. Um, I want you to play the lead character, Creasy. Because I, I told him about it already. And, we made, and then I gave him Preetzee's Honor later on. Preetzee's Honor was another book yeah. that I read in galley form. And, but he died. He died. And we were supposed to do a romantic comedy anyway. So while he was in pre-production of doing Man on Fire, he passed. That then went into the hands of an Israeli director, I forget his name, and they did a, a movie with it with Scott Glenn that is a, is a very, uh, not, a, not a great film. 
And then later on, they did the movie with Denzel, which is a better film, but not as good as what Aldrich had, in my estimation, or what Aldrich would have made from it. Wow, there you go. There you go. That's, that's incredible to think that. And this is before The Professional. Don't forget The Professional has elements to that film. Yeah. So when they didn't make, when they didn't make that, they then took and they re... So anyway, so, it's, uh, it's, uh, so my, my career had a little bit of a misstep there. And then uh, after the Bond film, when I should have maybe waited for the right films, I... You know, I hoard out, and I did films maybe I shouldn't have done. And anyway, the rest is uh, tainted history, so to speak. Tainted history. <laughs> I mean, just going back, you, you're mentioning uh, about reading Casino Royale and kind of obviously Le Chiffre and that, you know, being a mirror image when it came to portraying Sanchez. I also read that in, in preparation for the role, uh, obviously given the, the drug cartel connections that Sanchez has in the film and, and the type of character, that you yourself, uh, to research and get ready for this role, had to get involved with some quite interesting characters in preparation for, for this film. I mean, what was what was that like? How do you go about finding some Colombian drug lords? I guess you don't just get the phone book and try and dial a few. I guess it's a bit more difficult than that. Actually, you'll find all types in Beverly Hills. <laughs> and, uh, and especially in Hollywood. It was the 80s too, wasn't it? Anything so. you mentioned. <laughs> Yeah, end of the 80s. So anyway, so, yeah, you just question. I heard somebody was a Colombian guy, and I said, really, he was from Medellin. And he, I think through a model, I think through one of, these, one of these girls that became a pleasure wife of Adnan Khashoggi or something, there was some, there was, and I heard that she had an ex-boyfriend who was dealing, and uh, he was from Colombia and Medellin. And I said, oh, can I, uh, can I talk to this guy? And he knew then the... Uh, the um, uh, what is it? The uh, architect, a guy that did uh, Escobar's house. Wow! And uh, <laughs> wow! And then, and then yeah, then I then I talked, and then subsequently, in the nineties, uh, in the early right around then, you know, right early, I, I met Pablo Escobar in in uh, Brazil. Wow! How does that how does that go? How how do you go into that meeting someone like that? And I guess. Try and stay calm. <laughs> well, first off, I didn't know I was meeting him. Wow, okay. <laughs> I was in Brazil doing a film with a fake director. I was in Manaus, which is... Uh, Manaus is northern in Horaima, part of Brazil. I was doing a film with Mika Kaurismaki, great uh, Finnish director, him and his brother Aki. Aki gets a lot of awards, and Mika's uh, like... Uh, he's kind of like uh, commercial and art, a uh, little different. But anyway, he did this film called Amazon, Amazon. And it was about the Garimpos, the gold diggers in the Amazon rainforest. And uh, I wound up playing this character, and we were there for like nine weeks. Uh, and I was in Horaima, in Manaus, where the rubber barons used to be. They had this beautiful, the Hotel Trapacal, this amazing uh, place built right in the middle of the jungle. Kind of like a Fitzcarraldo thing, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But anyway, um, there I am. And uh, I'm in this big dining room after being in the in the deep jungle in Tepecan and Boa Vista for like a few weeks where there was just old monkeys, old monkeys and, and uh, Finnish crew with uh, high on vodka. <laughs> you know, it was funny. But. So I finally get to civilization and I'm there in this wonderful banquet hall. And um, a couple of guys approached me and uh, they, the film had just been released in Brazil a couple of weeks earlier. Wow. And um, 
it was like very big over there. And they said to me, oh, Robert Bobby, we would love to uh, invite you, our friend. Uh, uh, he knows you're in town. Uh, because there was publicity on it. We'd love to invite you to the villa and have something to drink and maybe meet and talk. I said, ooh. And he says, oh, no, no, no matter, but we take you. Uh, and I was, I says, huh? And he says, I said, he's very interesting, man. And, uh, you know, the, he will uh, love to have this and you'll be rewarded for your, you know, whatever. It is. Not rewarded, but something that led to, I think I was going to get a Rolex watch. You know what I mean? If I showed up. <laughs> right. That kind of vibe. Right. <laughs> All right. And, and, be, and being, you know, here I was in the rainforest and they said, oh, this is interesting, you know. All right, I'm, I'm up for an experience. So they took me and they drove me for about 45 minutes into the jungle. And then an area, little dirt road kind of thing in the middle of the jungle. And then all of a sudden this area opens up. Like there's like a, a gate that has trees on it that is hidden. And then another long road that's uh, paved uh, into the jungle. And then this villa in the middle of this area and guards. And then all of a sudden it becomes apparent, you know, uh, that I'm going to meet somebody interesting. And then I meet this guy, uh, Pablo Escobar. Wow. And he told me some interesting stories. He liked the film. He liked the idea of the loyalty is more important <laughs> to me than money. He mentioned that. Uh, he said, and then he mentioned, he says, you know, and I knew this. He goes, in my house in Medellin, we have a... Uh, in my, I had one of the houses. I had a, a, uh, in the middle of the house. There's a track, goes out and in, and we, we play. I play with my friends. We play Lulu, which is I guess a card game there, and we drink aguardiente. It goes, and every, every few minutes you hear, and we stop, and we watch the gate of the Paso Fino horse. Now, there's a special horse that they, Pasofino horses, you know, half a million dollars a piece based on the gate. Their left goes together. Their right, you know, so there's no jiggly. Very mm -hmm. easy to ride in the mountains and indigenous to that area. Uh, so he told me that would be interesting to have the Pasofino horse to show the appreciation of these beautiful animals. And then he said, uh, I tell you my mentality. When I was young, and I'm a businessman, when I was young, I wanted to buy a discotheque and they didn't let me buy the discotheque. They didn't sell it to me because I wasn't, they said I was unsavory. So they wouldn't sell me the discotheque. And I offered them double the money, they wouldn't sell it. So what I did was I built a couple of years later the exact replica across the street to a T. <laughs> and I charged no one any, any fee to come in to drink nothing and put them out of business. Wow. <laughs> Because they didn't sell it to me. This is my mentality. Wow. Anyway, so that was a very interesting uh, peek into his uh, a little bit of his psyche. And, and I can definitely imagine then, Robert, that you're glad he liked the film. Um, I mean, I couldn't imagine if he's, <laughs> if he's brought you to his place like that, only for him to be like, I have some problems with the way you played that character. I didn't like it. <laughs> Well, that's like what happened to the CNN reporter recently. You hear what happened to him? Yeah, was that the... Um, that wasn't Anderson Cooper, was it? Was it? And he, he got all the way in deep with that? Um, am I thinking of the right person? No, another guy, Aslan something or other, went to some kind of cultish thing, mm -hmm. some religious cultist, and they made him eat a monkey brain. Ah, and right, the, no, and different he was one. talking yeah, too one much. And the, yep. And the chieftain, 
you should read that article. It's kind of frightening. Hmm. I mean, yes, something could go sour, but no, no, no. This was no. I knew the film was the, the you know. I portrayed the guy. You know, if you look at it, no act of violence. There's only one act of violence that Sanchez really uh, does. Uh, that's not in response to something that's done to him. There's only one act of violence. All the other acts of violence, Sanchez is responding to something that was done to him mm-hmm. first. So if you're gonna if you're gonna play the game, you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, and can you do you know the one act of violence committed that really um, wasn't committed to Sanchez? Now, uh, uh, do you want to guess? Uh, Colin, with you, Lupe, you, right? No, the- Lupe. First off. The whipping of Lupe should have been erotic, but they couldn't do eroticism and uh, and violence right. to women, especially back then. Look at Fifty Shades of Grey. The game, it was a game that they played, that Lupe played with Sanchez. That was a game, a sexual game. Really, that's mm-hmm. what that was really intended for, because Bonds as a whole have all those a sadomasochistic undertow in the books. There is a bit of that in there. So... It was a, a method of, of eroticism where she knew she would get punished if she was a bad girl. You know what I mean? So there's that whole, but, but that was never, that, was, that could never be played, uh, you know, in the film. That could never be, so they had to put tears in her eyes, you know what I mean, as opposed to it being something that was, but still, no, Lupe, uh, she knew what she did. I mean, she went and she screwed somebody else, hmm. you know, to make Sanchez angry. My, my, my guess, you know? my guess would be um, how much, when the you... whole thing was, how much do you love me, Sanchez? Hmm. You know what I mean? Will you risk your life to come and get me? You know what I mean? So that's the cat and mouse. So he risks his life. Yeah, I was going to guess uh, when um, you uh, and I, I'm going blank on the character's name when you put the guy in the the uh, the pressure the hyperbaric chamber. Oh. Crest. Crest. No, yeah, no Crest. that's not it either. No. We're, we're big Bond fans here, uh, <laughs> no, Robert. We're that, huge. Um. <laughs> that was done. That was done because Bond set that guy up. Bond was the one that set uh, um, uh, what's his name, Anthony Zerby's character. Mm-hmm. Uh, forget his name now. No, there's Milton another. There's, a, there's only one act of violence, really. That, and it's just because the guy was an irritant. Yeah, you remember? You want me to tell you? Yeah, you're going to have to because we're we're really failing our um our status <laughs> here right, as a James Bond line. podcast, you here, Robert. Uh, <laughs> I'll give you the line. I'll give you the line, and you tell me who it is. Time to start cutting overhead. Uh, no, that wasn't Felix. No, uh, near the end of the movie. Something that it- uh, Truman Truman Lodge. Truman Lodge. There you go. Yes, <laughs> I win. <laughs> The accountant. That was the only act of violence because he was an irritant. Yeah. Million, that's another great chance. Another thirty million dollars. You know. What I mean? Well, that, that was a good <laughs> one. I mean, no one liked Truman Lodge, did they? Uh. <laughs> no, he didn't. He was a little. He was a little irritant. That guy. You know what I mean? So, but but that was the. But, but think about it. Nobody liked him, but he was the one act of violence that Sanchez really commits. That you could say is unjustified. It's a good point. Mm. It's a, I mean, they, I mean, it's just, it's interesting sort of looking at it that way. And, um, you know, I mean, we've done, uh, we, we obviously did our film recap on License to Kill and we, you know, we, we're doing film commentaries, Robert. So we'll, we'll do that at one point. But I mean, with that, that's, um, I, I mean, Colin, there you go. We didn't have that take on it at all. So, uh, we've, we've, we've learned something today as well. And here's something else to add. I don't think, if I'm not mistaken, there's ever been a film 
where someone who was already dead was shot. Now Sanchez, and this was again an improv, remember when What's-His-Name takes uh, the uh, cyanide pill? Mm-hmm. Carrie here at the Gawa played him. All right? And what do I do? He dies, and I pull up my gun, I go, he puta, and I shoot him. Mm-hmm. Because he didn't give me the satisfaction of killing him. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So Sanchez, so after that, after that moment, and you guys could research, this would be good, I'd like to know if this is so. But after that moment, other films had people killing guys that were already dead. And you started the trend. I, well, Bond, look, at, I've been in trailers on big movie sets where the directors and the producers were watching Bond sequences for their action films to do takes on them. And the thing about Bond and something that Cubby always wanted was that the wardrobe, there were a few times when they made the wardrobe of the, of the moment. And then they said, no, we don't want to do that. We want to make it so you can watch this film in 20 years and not have it feel that dated. You know what I mean? In terms of music and wardrobe, in some instances. You know, outside of even License to Kill, you know, you mentioned earlier how you'd done the Goonies and everything. And I mean, as you've detailed, like the complexity of the villain, you really had this great string in the 80s of playing you know, these iconic villains, even though some of them probably shouldn't have been villains. I mean, the three main ones, at least for me growing up in my childhood, I mean, I can't go through this without asking about the Goonies and Die Hard. I mean, and of those three movies, you know, you obviously had the biggest, most complex role in License to Kill, but I mean, the fan bases for Goonies and Die Hard are out there as well. Which one of these do you usually get the most recognition for? That depends. That, that, that always depends. I think because there's no sequels, that there's a, uh, it's, it's always, and, and, I'll, and I'll tell you what, what, what uh, Josh Brolin said on uh, the, the um, Jimmy Fallon show one night. Jimmy Fallon's a huge Goonie fan. Mm-hmm. And he had Josh Brolin on with a bandana. He, Jimmy Fallon wore a red bandana, Jimmy Fallon. And then he presented one to Josh. Now, Josh Brolin's done a lot of other films, as I have, you know, and he's done bigger films, you know. Uh, some some interesting things, you know. But yet, when Josh was asked what film the people most go to you on, it's Goonies. Mm-hmm. And um, now, it depends on where you are in the world. See, the interesting thing is if I go to certain parts of South America or or uh, or Jamaica or the Bahamas or different areas, like even uh, Bangladesh, let's say, or India, you know what I mean? There's a huge bond contingency around the world or Norway or Estonia. Then uh, other areas have a huge Goonie contingency or a diehard. Or, you know what I mean? And then there's Showgirl. But, I mean, there's a lot. I mean, it, it, it depends. It depends. It's a, uh, there's a, there's a drawing pool from a lot of different things. And how did you find, you know, going through those three movies, which really were just over the course of a few years and playing those different villains? Like, did you carry experiences from one to the other? Well, they were all different, weren't they? I mean, Mm -hmm. look at this. I mean, you technically should have been a good guy in Die Hard. I mean, you were the (laughs) FBI. (laughs) Right. But, you know, that was at a time, you got to realize the psychology behind that film at that time. Bruce Willis had one more shot to be a movie star. His other two films had failed. His other films had failed at the box office. And Bruce Willis, because of his uh, character in Moonlighting, had a smirky kind of presence. Great presence, but smirky. Right? Mm-hmm. So, in Die Hard, they had to make him likable. 
when I first, I, I saw Die Hard with Arnold for the first time at 20th Century Fox. And when I come on the screen, who's in charge? Not anymore. Arnold gets mm-hmm. up in his, his chair and he goes, this is fantastic. This is great. Yeah. <laughs> this is fantastic. And then as, as, the, as the film went on and the character became more of a, you know, it, it dissipated. He looks over at me and goes, you idiot. What do you do here? How come you turned into this idiot now? I thought you were going to save the day here, and you're, and you're this fumbling FBI guy. What the hell is going on with you here? He was upset because, <laughs> all right, and I had a raw deal with Arnold back in the day. So here you have, you know, uh, uh, they had to make the FBI guys stupid, of course, because they, they couldn't come in to save the day because it, it made Bruce Willis, you know, I mean, and, and, and look at him walking around naked and, and, and uh, it was brilliant, a brilliant uh, project to put him in. And initially, you know who was supposed to do that character who got the book first, the right? Sinatra. Yes. As Dirty Harry. Mm-hmm. They went to Sinatra first for Dirty Harry. Wow. That's incredible. Different, and, again, uh, going back to what you're talking before about uh, Man on Fire, I mean, just how different these, the Hollywood history could be, I guess you would say. <laughs> Well, look, at least my history. Yeah, well, that's, that's exactly... I'm just, I'm just trying to imagine these things. Robert, I, I'm going to say, um, I mean, this is... We, we know, obviously, right now, uh, we, we don't have much time, but I want to take this opportunity right now to just quickly say thank you so much for joining us on our 50th episode. But we've got plenty more questions. I'm sure our listeners, after hearing this, will have questions themselves. So uh, we'll, we'll definitely get you back on to talk more about License to Kill and, and your, your outstanding career because, again, uh, there's so much more that we can cover, and uh, we, we hope that we can we can get you back on to, to talk more about this again uh, very very soon. Well, if you can uh, sell some albums, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> we, we we will sell you heaps in Winnipeg, Hobart. You will go off the charts. That that's how much we'll sell for you. All right, because I'm also they can also get my uh, AB, you know ABC in Australia mm-hmm. as my ac- record. Yes, I toured Australia. Plug plug the record right now. I mean, I've got it right in front of me here in terms of what it's called. But I mean, I, I think it needs to come from the man's mouth. Darby sings Sinatra. Yes. ABC Records. You can go on mm-hmm. find it in Australia, and it's also in Canada. Uh, Darby sings Sinatra. The uh, uh, Maple Core. It's on the label there. You can get them uh, in Canada. You can also just go to Amazon or iTunes. And be able to download uh, the Darby Singh Sinatra. And we're going to uh, tag, tag it on our site. We'll tag it for people to download. And uh, we will definitely, yeah, we'll, and we'll get you back on uh, definitely to chat more about this, Colin. Yeah, and uh, I'm hoping at some point we get like a Strangers in the Night sequel to this. Is that going to be on like the follow up? <laughs> well, I don't know. Why? You like Strangers in the Night? It's absolutely like one of my favorite songs of all time. I, I actually am a pretty big Sinatra fan. I just love that song. A lot of people love that song. That was one of his bigger hits, too. And I've stayed away from it, but I think because it's so, so uh, uh, people like it a lot. I may, I may do it at some point. I haven't done it yet. I mean, I've got about 200-plus Sinatra songs and Great American Songbook stuff that I do But I mean, in my shows. Uh, but I, I may put on uh, Strangers in the Night at some point. People like it. I just did. I'm going to be on Mark Stein's show. MarkStein.com. Uh, uh, I just did with Don Black, a guy named Don Black. I was on there with Don Black. I did a version of Born Free. Wow. That is a very stirring version that you guys should check out at some point. It's supposed to be running at some point here in the near future. So Definitely. But anyway, guys. Let's do this again. It was fun. If you get a good response and you show me there's a good response, 
then we do it again. Definitely. We will. We will put that out there and we will show you. Absolutely, there is a, a lot more that we would love to chat about. And for sure, Robert, if, you, if you're up for, for part two, we'll make the sequel and um, <laughs> we, will, we will make it. We will do part two. We will. We will. More explosions, more, uh, more action sequences, and, and we will make it we will, bigger and better. Isn't that, isn't that what you've got to do in Hollywood now? Or? <laughs> <laughs> no, no. I, I, I think uh, I'm, I'm for, 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 for quality, not Qu- quantity. Quality. Good, good. Yeah, I like that. That's better. Yes. <laughs> and second death. And se- yes. You know? So don't forget, when we did the Bond film, those were all real stunts. Now you got CGI, you get everything. It's all great. It's exciting. But there's something missing. Mm. <laughs> there's something missing. Some, there's something missing. Something is missing. I can't put my finger on it. Um, yeah, it's it's. We've got some questions. I think that you'll like when it comes to those. So that's a good teasing point. That's we're going to leave the listeners wanting more. So uh, there you go. You sold it well, <laughs> and we'll sell your album well. <laughs> All right, brother. Thank you. And we really do look forward to getting Robert back on Double uh, Seven, and we will no doubt bring that to you here on the Oz Network as well. So uh, appreciate Robert's time. And uh, we we look forward to chatting to him more. If you've got a question maybe for Robert that you want to send in to us that we can ask him, please do email it in to us, uh, theoldsnetwork at hotmail.com. Send it to us on Facebook or you can tweet us and uh, we will put that to him when we next speak to him. So there you go. And we hope to bring you more interviews. This this isn't the only one we ever want to bring you. We, we want to bring you more, so stay tuned. Uh, whether you're listening to our movies, our TVs, if you're listening to them combined, plenty of content still to come your way. So please do stay tuned to all of that. We're loving bringing you this content we're loving bringing you the show and uh, we hope that you are loving listening to us uh, thank you recently uh, we did actually return to the iTunes charts number 34 on debut we were very respectful and appreciative that you the listeners helped us get there so thank you very much and we've got plenty more to bring you so uh, that's how we repay your support we bring you more content thanks to Robert Darby stay tuned for more of him stay tuned for more episodes on the Oz Network easiest way subscribe to us on iTunes like us on Facebook follow us on Twitter That's how you can stay up to date. I'm out of here. I've been Ben. This has been the Oz Network, and we'll speak to you very, very soon. Thank you for listening to the Oz Network. Don't forget to subscribe to get new episodes delivered to your speakers every week. For more information, hit us up at theoznetwork.net.